Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, folks. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to visit with New Orleans and Company, Kevin Ferguson, VP of External Affairs and Membership uh, at the New Orleans and Company. And we'll talk about this new initiative, Home for Good. Uh, and it was uh, launched the other day, and it's... Um, the initiative is, a, is going to address uh, minimizing the unhoused population in the Crescent City. And we've talked about that a number of times, so we'll check in with them. The GNO Inc. Hour with Michael Heck, President and CEO of GNO Inc. And then we'll meet with the uh, bank President of the Bank of America. And we'll talk about the Greater New Orleans Jobs Report, which is uh, very telling. We start out this morning with Michelle Gonzalez, Director of Jefferson Parish Ecosystem and Coastal Management. A lot of hot summers, a lot of cold winters, and um, we're thinking about transforming one of the parish playgrounds into a community oasis, and Michelle joins us to tell us what that is. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Good afternoon. Good, good morning. So let's start out with what is a community oasis? So community oasis, um, in, in some other communities that you may be hearing, they're thinking about doing lighthouses or um, kind of a resilience hub. Um, we're calling it an oasis specifically because we want to think through um, some of the challenges we have here in Jefferson Parish where it's just hot. I mean, this summer we saw um, record-breaking heat and a, a lot of individuals, um, whether they have you know AC in their homes, maybe the AC is not able to keep up, we want to create a resource here, whether it's in a post-disaster situation or in those like extreme heat wave situations where individuals would have a place to um, cool down because, um, you know, obviously a public health issue with um, heat and then also just from a, you know, with kids being able to use a playground, the usability of a lot of our sites is difficult whenever you have to go out in that scorching heat. So as that oasis, it would have more trees, more ability with water features, things that will kind of help cool your body down while you're out in the heat. It is pretty dangerous, especially for young kids when they're out there playing baseball in the summer. It's 110 degrees or something like that. So when you're talking about shade structures, more trees, maybe more water fountains uh, to drink from, what else would we expect to see? 
Um, you know, we're kind of in the in the design stage right now, and and I hate to say the sky's the limit, but it's those things of what are we seeing done in in other communities, and we really want to take examples and say, you know, is there something where maybe people are, are have the ability to walk through like a not a waiting pool, but some type of kind of like you know we've got the splash pads, but maybe not a full splash pad, something that. Uh, you know, if you're waiting for your, your child's baseball game to start, you've got the ability to go kind of like cool off over here with um, take your shoes off, get get your feet wet, cool down a little bit. That's, you know, just an idea that pops into my head. But we really are um, thankful to the Greater New Orleans Foundation for these like seed funds that they've provided us. It's given us the ability to kind of look at best practices and what are things we could do to really take it to the next level and say, how can we do better? And I guess some of our outdoor activities are actually tougher to participate in because of the amount of heat that we have in the summer. Uh, I know that y'all are about to embark upon a pickleball court um, initiative, and, and Miley Playground is one of the playgrounds, um, I think, that has been designated for same, right? It is. Um, from what I understand, that's being built kind of closer to airline near the um, near the Ray Alario Center. Um, mm-hmm in that area and so that's one of the things we're trying to think through as we go through the design like where do individuals park if they're going to use the the pickleball um you know because it's, it's kind of that idea if you park in one location and you have to walk in like the the brutal sun just to get to the um the place where you're going to play pickleball can we create you know a nice little path from the parking lot or even the parking lot possibly have the ability to have some trees and some shade because I feel like I even personally, if in the heat of the summer, I'm like, where is the tree at? So I can park when I go to the grocery store, um, even if it's a long walk. So when you get back in your car, it's not as hot. So really just trying to think through a lot of those. If we want to put in, um, you know, sidewalks, can we can we do it in a way that it's not as um, hot? Do we want to have like a small bioswell on the side of it? What kind of trees are we going to do to make them native and kind of soak up some of the water in the area? Um, so trying to use the amenities that we have in this in this wonderful site in Jefferson Parish, but really kind of amp it up and make it more resilient to all of the um, disasters and, and just the, the natural stressors we have from um, weather events in our community. You know, it's interesting. A number of cities that embarked upon a similar initiatives are cities where it's really hot, but the humidity levels are somewhere between 40 and 60 percent. You add a 98 percent, 99 percent humidity day on a dry day here. Um, it makes it even more difficult, right? It certainly is. Um, and that's where sometimes being outside, even regardless of the amount of trees that you have, it's still going to be that stifling heat. And so we're we're not we're not only looking at the outdoor amenities, but we're looking at, you know, our, our into, indoor, we've got the real area center there. We also have Mike Miley like playground itself with the ch- building that they have. Are there going to be days through the year that we, we need to have a, various facilities in Jefferson Parish that are open for individuals to escape the heat? And can that be done with certain types of programming, um, and that's where also with these grant funds and, and part of the challenge is to bring in nonprofits from the area. You know, we're working with the Greater New Orleans Foundation themselves, but then also um, the Jefferson um, Chamber Foundation and, and thinking through, like, how, how can we, we as Jefferson Parish may not be able to, you know, host the right event that would allow individuals to, you know, get away from the, um, the heat 
but there's a lot of there, there's a lot of knowledge in the city that we want to be able to pull from and, and think through what would programming be in those really hot, humid days. You know, Michelle, it's interesting. Uh, both of my kids played um, travel sports. And a lot of times during the summer months, um, grandma and grandpa couldn't attend the games because mm-hmm. it was just too hot. And, and, and you know, they, um, they had health-related issues, and, and it would be exacerbated by sitting out there uh, in the heat and not having what you're talking about. And in most places that we visited were very similar to a lot of our playgrounds. They had some sheltering, but not really much. Um, they didn't have those misters, and they didn't have a bunch of different things that could make it a lot more tolerable. No, that's actually a great point, and I've actually experienced that myself with, um, you know, a son who who plays football, and even this year, like, I was sitting in the stands a lot of days by myself because my family couldn't attend because it was just too hot, um, even in August and September. So that that's a great point, and, that, and I'd like to bring up that as we move forward with these challenge funds, like, our goal is definitely to see a change at this location, but to do it in a way that the users of the site, the current users of the site and the future users of the site, we want to build what what's needed. And so we plan to have um, various community outreach events. Like, you know, one of our first things is just obviously to interview the workers of the site. What are you, what are you guys seeing? What are some of the obstacles that you have? And then really work with the families that use summer camp at the playground, the, the individuals who come and play ball there, the schools who use the facility, and, and start to hear these same stories. And fig- before we just say, oh, we want to build, you know, this little wading pond over here for you to get your feet wet, we want to hear what some of the needs are and make sure that we're building that into kind of our design. Because, um, you know, there's things we know. We know it's hot. and But what – how can we fix it the right way, I guess? And with the input from the community is another big piece that we're, we're building in and using these challenge funds for. Uh, I know, Michelle, that y'all are just starting this process. Is there a timeline or is there a, a goal as to uh, when you guys Certainly. may be finalizing these plans? Sure. We, we're, I think it's going to take place over the next probably six months where we're going to be doing, like I said, these outreach things, kind of really getting some – some conceptual designs on paper um, because the, the, the challenge funds, their, their whole goal with the Greater New Orleans Foundation is not just to say, oh, let's draw a pretty picture, but they want to provide this seed money so we can apply for federal, state, other grants that are available. You know, it seems like every month you turn around, there's another infrastructure bill grant that's coming out. We want to be able to compete for those funds. Having the the for a better word, the pretty pictures that, that help you win these grant funds is really our hope. Um, we, we do have some of our um, disaster recovery funds that um, are kind of being allocated to help with this site. Exactly what that first phase is going to be is still to be determined. So, you know, our hope is within the next six months we have, this is where we're going, but within the next year and a half, we start to see some change at the site. Um, it, it's definitely it's kind of the timeline that I'm on. Well, best of luck with this initiative. We know that these grants are, they're competitive in nature, right? Um, so you're competing against others? That has really been kind of the, the big thing with the most of the infrastructure grants that come out through the different federal agencies is you're competing against people from all over the country um, and really being able to tell the story of why 
why and how our community can be more resilient and and adapt to um, weather events is, is going to be a, an important part of winning these future grant funds. Well, best of luck to you guys in this initiative. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's uh, something that's definitely needed. Uh, and uh, obviously, we want to have more participation by our citizens and in, in, in their ability to use the facilities that we spend a lot of time developing and maintaining and exactly. keeping up. And uh, that's very important as well. Michelle Gonzalez, Director of Jefferson Parish Ecosystem and Coastal Management, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Have a great week. All right, folks, we will be right back, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. When we come back, I am going to read the executive order relative to the Sewage and Water Board in New Orleans Task Force by Governor Jeff Landry. We'll talk about that, and we would love to hear from you as to your thoughts as to whether or not uh, this is a responsible approach, um, and uh, I'll let you know what I think when we return. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. You know we've talked about the Sewage and Water Board for a long, long time. I've had uh, the Executive Director, Gassan Corbin, on quite a bit, talking about their failures, talking about their successes. Well, just uh, the other day, the governor issued an executive order uh, relative to the Sewage and Water Board in New Orleans Task Force. And I'm going to take and read major portions of this for you because I think it's important that you hear what the governor's thoughts are and what he's thinking about and why that's articulated in this executive order. Um, He talks about the creation of this in uh, 1899 and it changed in 1903. And he goes on to say, whereas the responsibility of the New Orleans drainage system is divided between the Municipal Department of Public Works and the Sewage and Water Board of New Orleans, thereby presenting hurdles in effective coordination and communication. Whereas the Sewage and Water Board manages critical infrastructure designed to prevent the loss of life and property damage from major flooding within the city of New Orleans. Whereas there has been a persistent concern for the Sewage and Water Board processes essential to the agency's effective operation and the public's trust. Whereas the Sewage and Water Board continues to overbill its customers as detailed within multiple investigations, totaling millions of dollars in under and over billings. Whereas, although the leadership of Sewage and Water Board claims to have largely resolved the agency's billing crisis, inaccurate billings in many cases remaining unsolved for years continue to plague customers, placing millions of public dollars into question. Whereas the Sewage and Water Board remains under investigation by various agencies to determine the scale of corruption within the Sewage and Water Board, permitting department, whereas rainfall in New Orleans consistently surpasses the capacity of the city's aging drainage system and the aging infrastructure and equipment of the Sewage and Water Board continually experience technical failures, whereas despite hundreds of millions of dollars from local, state, and federal sources being spent on the sewage and water system, widespread flash flooding has become a common occurrence in many neighborhoods throughout New Orleans. Whereas on December 2nd, 2023, there was extreme street flooding following a rainstorm and failure of Turbine 4. Whereas again on February 3rd, 2024, there was more flooding in multiple areas of the city. And he describes a bunch of different areas uh, there. Whereas following a rain event during the 2024 Mardi Gras season, the leadership of Sewage and Water Board attributed significant flooding to the small line drainage system of the city when in fact the agency was without adequate pumping capacity to appropriately respond to the rain event. 
whereas these frequent floods impose financial burdens on residents and businesses and drives up insurance costs, whereas the New Orleans transition team of Governor-elect Landry found that the public has lost faith in this state-chartered agency and its ability to consistently deliver effective drainage and clean water and the issues of sewage and water board are myriad and date back over 50 years, whereas the Louisiana Department of Health has found numerous drinking water quality violations by the Sewage and Water Board, whereas in December 2023, the Sewage and Water Board issued a boil advisory for a portion of Uptown after a 120-year-old iron water main failure, where it is in the best interest of the city of New Orleans to have the most efficient services possible, and whereas technical experts are needed to evaluate the current operations of the sewage and water board. So he's laying out his case for the creation of uh, the task force. Now, the task force can have up to 14 members, uh, and um, they will report its their findings within 30 days so that it can in- inform subsequent sh- strategies, including those for the 2024 regular legislative session. Obviously, this is telling because this is forecasting that the governor may be bringing a package of bills to deal with the sewage and water board. The members will be the following. Uh, One member appointed by the secretary of the Department of Transportation and Development. One member appointed by the executive director of the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority one member by the Secretary of the Department of Environmental Quality. So those are three cabinet position heads under the governor. Number four, a member by the American Council of Engineering, a member by the Louisiana Engineering Society, another member appointed by the Louisiana Associated General Contractors, a member appointed by Jefferson Parish Public Works, a member appointed by Greater New Orleans, Inc., a member appointed by the Business Council in New Orleans, a member appointed by New Orleans and Company, and four additional members appointed by the governor. So the governor would have seven, um, at least seven members of the um, up to 14 members, and the governor shall appoint the chair of the task force and the governor's office, the executive branch of state government will provide all of the support staff facilities and resources for the task force. Now, I think this is a good idea and I applaud the governor uh, for doing this. Obviously, this has been a top of mind issue for a lot of people for a long, long time. I believe this will cut both ways. One, it will identify and probably embrace a number of the deficiencies that we are already aware of um, as uh, for the lack of performance on behalf of the sewage and water board Uh, for any multitude of years it will embrace the outcomes of a, a number of investigative reports by some of the news agencies here um and a whole host of other things the other side um of the blade it will reveal some of the remedial actions taken by the Sewage and Water Board. Now, whether or not they have been implemented in the most efficient fashion, in the most timely fashion, um, in the most effective way, that's going to be subject to debate. Uh, But it's going to be important in, uh, in recognizing some of the successes of the Sewage and Water Board and to have an independent group 
actually articulate sane. And I think that's what will ultimately uh, play itself out. The real question where the rubber meets the road here is going to be, what would the legislative action be? And is this state uh, chartered agency, I guess is the way that um, they are referred to, the Sewage and Water Board, what is the governor going to be willing to take on uh, here? And will he be able to break kind of the stalemate, I guess, between the city administration and the city council as to the governance and structure of the sewage and water board moving forward? I think I, I think it goes without saying that um, we know that it's not the most efficient structure. We know that um, a lot of people are completely frustrated with the way that this is happening between the coordination or lack thereof between the Department of Public Works and the Sewage and Water Board. And if for no other reason, if we're able to create a process, a governance structure, or a super agency, for lack of a better term, to create these efficiencies, and because the governor controls a lot of purse strings, um, you recall the mayor talking about her fair share, um, well, it may be that one of the strings is you want your fair share. This is going to have to happen because we're not going to allow state funds to be utilized in a less than efficient way. And there's a cost to this bastardized administrative structure that we have and governance structure that we have relative to drainage, sewage, water, and other. It's It's really... Um, more clearly identified in, in, in the realm of uh, drainage, right? And so I, I, th- I think this is a good thing, and I applaud the governor for taking this on. I mean, uh, this is an issue he doesn't necessarily have to take on, and, and there, there are some downside risks uh, for him uh, as well, uh, but n- not that much, quite frankly. Um, and because he controls a lot of the purse strings, Maybe he can break this uh, log jam that we have. We've been talking about, you know, trying to meld these two agencies, DPW, Sewage and Water Board, for a long, long time. And maybe it's going to take the political umph of Governor Jeff Landry to do it. And I, I hope and pray that he's successful. And quite frankly, I would think that there would be... Members on, excuse me, members on the Sewage and Water Board <clears throat> that would hope that he would be successful as well. I mean, who's going to argue against trying to create, foster, stimulate efficiencies? I can't imagine anyone who wants to step in front of that bus. Now, understand that the city is not going to be real happy, whether it's a city council and or uh, the city administration about losing control. You know what? I, I don't know about you. I, I don't really give a damn about that much anymore, right? I think people want it to happen, and the sooner that it can happen, the better they're going to be, and the better off they'll be, and the happier they'll be as a community. And I don't think that 
the governor overstates the position that the public doesn't have a lot of trust in either agency, whether it be DPW, whether it be the Sewage and Water Board, uh, whether it be the general administrative services provided by the city. And we only need to look at the most recent polling on these issues over and over again to gain a complete understanding of where the public is on these issues. So for those reasons, I really think it's a smart thing on the part of the governor. Um, if, if he is going to be asked to spend state dollars down here to provide sustenance for the sewage and water board, to maybe utilize and help with the bonding capacity in some way, shape, or form to try and move these issues uh, forward, I applaud him. Uh, I applaud the effort. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a bold move. Uh, although, you know, it, it is, a, he is, has made it very clear that he's going to be in control just by the number of members that he's going to be responsible for, for um, participating here. But he's taken ownership. So, you know, the success and failure of this, whatever the legislative package may be or reveal, is on him. But hopefully it breaks the loggerheads. We want to hear from you, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Let's go to Rich. Rich, you're up. Welcome to the show. Noel, thanks for taking my call. Uh, hey, man, first disclaimer, or disclaimer, uh, I'm not a Democrat, but I'm definitely a liberal. Uh, I love a lot about New Orleans, but uh, some of it is beyond insanity. And I wouldn't agree with a lot of things uh, uh you know, a lot of social issues with uh, Governor Landry. However, man, I will totally applaud him for taking this on. Uh, you know, there can't be anybody in New Orleans who's happy with the Sewage and Water Board. Uh, they get enough. The city council gets enough. The mayor gets enough. Uh, the Sewage and Water Board is a train wreck. The director ought to be fired. Uh, hats off to uh, the governor for taking this on, as you said. He didn't have to do it, but he's recognizing uh, our frustration. And, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, the citizens uh, most have a lack of confidence. Well, well show me the, 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 the few that have any confidence, because I, I'm going to tell you, none of us have any confidence in the sewage and water board. The last flooding, uh, the spokesman was on the WWL being interviewed, and they said, well, we had a glitch. Uh, uh, okay, Forrest Gump, we know we had a glitch. Uh, now, how about let's not have any more glitches? A glitch is not an excuse. A glitch is not uh, a, an answer, and it shouldn't be happening at all. If you got a glitch, we should know about it days before so that people can park on the neutral ground. But anyway, you know, we realize, man, we're below sea level. We got some unique uh, issues. But uh, tell me what, what other city in America uh, where, where you have the water company, the Sewage and Water Board, constantly – in the news every week. So anyway, my hat's off to him, man. Uh, he, it's clearly a problem, and he's addressing it. And I don't care uh, if I agree with his uh, most of his social political beliefs or not. If he's willing to step in and do uh, good things for the citizens, I'll vote for Satan. Uh, and so, you know, he's got my support. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and I, I, and I think this cuts both ways. There are some things that the Sewage and Water Board has done that, that is, is appropriate. 
And I think that, you know, the committee will end up recognizing that. But uh, to your point, though, and I agree with you, I, I don't know that there's an appreciable percentage of people that have any confidence uh, in it. The, the, the messaging from the Sewage and Water Board has been less than stellar. Uh, there have been a number of misstatements, um, you know, about what actually happened. Sometimes there's this rush to judgment and there's this pressure. They should recognize that. They should be more cautious and careful before they say anything about what the, the cause of, of flooding may, may be. But when you see, as you appropriately point out, Rich, these repeated glitches, you know, um, human error, uh, there has to be a level of redundancy and level of competency that's instilled in this organization uh, to overcome those. You just can't keep having um, these things occur in the fashion that they occur. Now, we all know about machinery and mechanics and that stuff, you know, Murphy's Law. It's going to fail, and it's probably going to fail when put under stress. We, we we understand that. But when it's all these other uh things that are wrapped around it and we're not really completely forthright as, as it relates to the messaging. I think it frustrates people even more and I have even less confidence. Your thoughts? No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, and, and frankly, Newell, it's, it's not confined to just the sewage and water board. Uh, it is a city government problem. The city council isn't getting it right. The city, the mayor isn't getting it right. And just like you're saying, when, when we have these issues that pop up, I, I don't know, man. I mean, in most of the uh, private businesses that I've worked in, when, when people are incompetent, they don't keep their job very long. When people, when people lie, they don't keep their job very long. And that, that seems to be the one – and I, I'm not from New Orleans recently. I've been here for 10 years. But what, the one thing that perplexes me about this city, and, and it's a phenomenon, uh, accountability is not a thing here. People don't get fired. When the, the hard rock imploded due to uh, lack of code enforcement, everybody in that office, the head of the office, fired and, and probably charged for a crime. Uh, the supervisor of the person who should have been inspecting the building who didn't uh, 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 fired and, and probably charged with a crime. The person who, you know, the, the inspector himself. But wh- where, where did that happen? I mean, where was the accountability with that? The new the, the NOPD is the poster child of, of this issue. No one gets fired. Uh, you know, when the DA uh, was investigating, and I forget, I, I think the last name was Richardson, uh, about some improprieties with money, well, it wasn't that much money. Uh, well, well, wait a minute. So so we aren't going to charge her. If it's, if it's 50 cents and she knowingly took it, and it belonged to the – you're a policeman. You're, you're not a bank teller or some, you know, where it doesn't matter that much. You're a policeman. We have to have confidence and trust in you that you are not a thief. And if you're a thief, what else are you doing? But it wasn't enough. It's just – it's perplexing to me, man. Anyway, I'm, I'm diverging from the sewage and water board issue, but I'm happy no, but to I think, Rich, I think you – I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, 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 I recalled – and I had this conversation with a, a, a former uh, law enforcement leader just recently uh, about these core competencies that you're in the credibility business. And, you know, as public employees, you're in the credibility business, not in any other business, because without credibility, you got nothing. You got to manage and massage the public's trust very carefully. Right. And well, the sure. moment you lose it, 
you got to work three times as hard to get it back. So you don't want to lose it in the first instance, ever, ever. And it'll catch up to you. Uh, and, you know, if you play in the short game all the time, uh, and I go back to what my father told me, it's all about long term, son. Do not play the short game. Play the long game. And it just seems that we got a lot of people in, in public service that don't uh, adhere to that at all. Rich, thanks you, thank you so much for the call. Have a great week. We'll be right back, folks. We'll go back to the talk lines. We'd love to hear from you on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We'll go back to the talk lines, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Let's go to Jim. Jim, you're up. What say you? Yeah. Hi, how you doing, Newell? Good, and you? Uh, so, so, uh, you know, new, you and I, we agree maybe, uh, uh, maybe like about, uh, 40% of the time, but you know, the thing with this governor, it, it seemed like he's on this Donald Trump role where he wants everything to go his way. Now we got gerrymandering where certain people vote is not being counted. And, you know, everybody's talk about this religion thing and this and that. Yeah, man, you, you're not having people vote counted. So why would you go to Sewage and Water Board and deal with that when you st- you still not having people vote counted with gerrymandering where, where they, you know, it's obvious the blacks uh, make up, what, two-thirds or two-fifths of, of the state. I mean, you, you, you know, you jump into that and you haven't figured out that. You know, Ronald Green was beat to death, and now you cover. You're trying to cover for the for the uh, 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 law enforcement or whatever, and 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 give them cover. I mean, I don't understand. Is this like a Donald Trump thing gone wild? You were upset with him yourself, New, because he said if you don't agree with him, you need to move out the state. Something close to that. That just that's not his place to say that. This is not his state. This is the people's state. Am I saying that correctly? Well, I look, I, I call the governor out when I think he's wrong. It's my opinion. It's just one man's opinion. Um, and uh, I'll, give him kudos. I'll give him kudos when, when he's right. I happen to believe that um, because there are state dollars involved uh, and there's always a request, you know, for this or that or otherwise to happen here, that – I think this is a positive thing, and I think they, the group of folks, and I know, you know, a lot of these uh, representative agencies that are going to be on this committee, the Engineering Society, the General Contractors, the um, GNO Inc., uh, the Business Council, New Orleans and Company, these are not adversaries to the city. These are allies of the city. They want the city to succeed, and... You know, for us to succeed, we got to be clicking on all cylinders. I mean, you have to admit uh, that, you know, there is a less than stellar performance of any number of city agencies. The frustration is growing in the public. And, you know, he said that and when he ran that he wants the city of New Orleans to improve. And if he's going to bring a if he's going to bring a legislative package forward, um you know, dealing with, with that, I, I, I think it's a good thing. Who do we have, Coleman? All right, let's go to Herbert. Herbert, you're up. Welcome to the show. Yes, hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think the sewage and water board, I, I think they ought to, ought to be dismantled because I did, it ran wrong as far as, you know, you got people, you know, you got employees say, okay, well, they, um, if something we, we got people um, on standby for the whole day when, when you're supposed to be having employees working during regular hours, it's just a lot of stealing involved with what I, what I can see. Yeah, I mean, they've had issues. I mean, you have that in in a number of different organizations. Um, I think the the problems, you would agree, Herbert, are probably broader than that. How do you feel about the governor's involvement with this executive order? I I, I think it's a good thing because I believe it's going to shed light on on a lot of things that's going on. It's a good thing because now you got different eyes that's going to come in and, and try to correct a wrong that's been going on for years and years in the city of New Orleans. How frustrated are you with the performance of general services in the city? Oh, it, it, it's horrible. It's horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm real frustrated. And, and, and I've been, a, I've been here 50, 55 years living in New Orleans. And, and it's like, it's getting worse, worse and worse as far as, with, with, with the mayor, nobody's taking accountability. And with the city council, every, with, you know, with, with all of them, it, it's just no accountability at all. And it's yeah, and I think that's, I think that's the feeling of a lot of folks. You know, the, the, the thing, not to defend the council, but I kind of understand governance. The mayor has the, the vast majority of authority here. Uh, in the city, and I know in speaking both publicly and privately with members of the council, they're frustrated as well uh, because there's only so much that they can do because of the governance structure here in the city. We'll be right back, folks. Thank you so much, Herbert, for the call. Have a great week. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Michael Heck is up after the top of the hour news break. Stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 